This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a podcast which compares books to their film adaptations must be in want of a Jane Austen property. It's Pride and Prejudice, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to the Films Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. Strap in. We've got a long one. <laughs> Several... Several pages. This is a big one. Yeah, it's a it's a big it's a big property. Yeah, you got a lot to say. I'm just along for the ride. Uh, we have all of our segments. No loss in adaptation, but we do have the rest of our segments. So let's just get right into it. With let me sum up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice primarily follows Elizabeth Bennet and Fitzwilliam Darcy, two characters who start out hating each other and gradually grow to like each other. The story also concerns itself with the Bennet family and its five unmarried daughters, primarily Jane, who falls in love with Mr. Darcy's friend, Mr. Bingley, and Lydia, who causes drama by attempting to elope with Mr. Wickham, who turns out to be less than savory. The novel critiques and satirizes class during Austen's lifetime by looking at what happens when different social circles collide. Fantastic. I I would say that's the movie also. Yeah, it's kind of I a don't think I would change summary. I don't know what else I would add. <laughs> or you know what I mean? Like I don't think there's anything different. I'm sure there's a lot. Everything you said in that is true for the movie. Yes. So I don't have anything to add for the movie <laughs> adaptation or for the movie summary. I would just say that also as well. All right. We've got a ton of characters for Guess Who. So let's see how I do. Who are you? No one of consequence. I must know. Get used to disappointment. Okay. They're all short, though. All short yes, they are short. They are short descriptions, but quite a few, and I'm going to be bad at it. <laughs> Guarantee it. Okay, so first up, he soon drew the attention of the room by his fine, tall person and handsome features. <sighs> okay. Um, I mean, that could be so many people. Uh, I would imagine that I... In the movie, Darcy is taller than Bingham. Who knows if that's how in real, like in the book, not that it matters, but Darcy is fairly tall. Um, and there's no, I'm trying to think who else would make sense for this. Obviously not Collins. It's, I don't think this description makes sense for Mr. Bennett. There aren't a ton of other men. It could be Wickham. Uh, but his, the tension in the room, at least when we meet, these characters, Darcy makes the most sense, and so I'm going to go with Darcy. That is Darcy. Nailed it. 
These are very Spartan descriptions. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He was good-looking and gentlemanlike. He had a pleasant countenance and easy, unaffected manners. (sighs) Then I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that's Bingham. Bingley. Mr. Bingley? Bingley. It is Mr. Bingley. So you're you're doing really His first name is Charles. I'm cheating by the order they're in as much as anything, hoping that they're introduced in similar (laughs) order in the movie as they are in the book. His appearance was greatly in his favor. He had all the best part of beauty, a fine countenance, a good figure, and a very pleasing address. Then I would, this seems, and his appearance was greatly in his favor, belies that potentially there's something underneath the appearance which is maybe less savory so i'm going to say this is potentially wickham that was a very good sussing out that is wickham nailed it (laughs) also there's like three dudes four other than mr bennett who's an old man yeah and collins i think would be easy description i think would be None of these descriptions were <laughs> clearly were not Mr. Collins. Yeah, so. these are all kind of very similar descriptions, but clearly yeah. none of them are Mr. Collins. Yeah. yeah, I could have guessed pretty much any of them for any of them. I think, <laughs> like I like they I all, could, yeah they all do other feel than the order of, they're in. Yeah. I don't know if I would have. They all feel kind of interchangeable the, just based on these descriptions. Yeah, the, his appearance was greatly in his favor. Is the only one that I think had extra character layers there, potentially. All right, this next one is a little bit odd. See what you make of it. A pair of fine eyes in the face of a pretty young woman. (laughs) I mean, that could be like any of the Bennett women. I don't, oh, no, you know, it could be. Uh, I'm going to say that that's, uh, and I don't know her name, but Bingley's sister. Um, Miss Bingley is what she's called Sure, her. Um, It's actually Darcy describing Lizzie. Okay, sure. There's nothing to go on. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the descriptions of of the women are even more Spartan, I think, than the descriptions of the men. Um, Especially the Bennett sisters, like, it's mentioned here and there that they're pretty or, like, pleasing to the eye. But other than that, there's not a whole not lot Not even, of, like, what color hair Yeah, they, there's I mean, not a whole lot of description yeah. of what they actually look like other than pretty. Yeah. He was a tall, heavy-looking young man of five and twenty. His air was grave and stately, and his manners were very formal. So, young man, tall. Um, I could say that maybe they changed the tall characteristic for Mr. Collins. Is it grave and stately? I guess that fits for him. Manners very formal would make sense. Uh, he's not tall and heavy in the movie. He's short and... Kind of uh, slight. Slight, yeah, yeah. kind of. They're, they're going for like... I, yeah. Um, I, I'm still going to say that that's... I assume 5 and 20 means 25. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say that that's Mr. Collins. That is Mr. Collins. Yeah. Look at you. You're nailing it. Uh, well. I mean, except for the one. The men the men have been relatively <laughs> easy. Again, because there aren't that many. She was a tall, large woman 
with strongly marked features, which might have once been handsome. Uh, I'm going to say that, well, that could either be the Bennett matriarch or um, the Dame Judy Dench. I'm going to say that's the Jame, Dame Judy Dench who plays the lady, whatever, Elizabeth or <laughs> lady something. Lady Catherine. Catherine. Yeah, it is Lady yeah. Catherine. <laughs> yeah. Okay, last one. She was tall and on a larger scale than Elizabeth. Everybody is tall yes, in this. Yes, everyone is tall in this. <laughs> okay, <It's> sorry. <laughs> she was tall and on a larger scale than Elizabeth, and though little more than 16, her figure was formed and her appearance womanly and graceful. She was less handsome than her brother, but there was good sense and good humor in her face. I mean, she has a brother, so mm-hmm. that... Oh, oh, no. Um, and it narrows it down at least a little. Yeah, I'm going to say that that's... Uh, Darcy's sister, whatever her name yes, is. Yes, uh, Miss Georgiana Darcy. Georgiana, that's it. Yeah. Tamsin Merchant <laughs> in the film. Yeah, that was pretty easy. Um, the, the, yeah, the, the one I missed yeah. is the hardest one because it's the least <laughs> descriptive. <laughs> Just, you have nice eyes and a pretty face. Okay, great. That's every woman in the movie, <laughs> basically. <laughs> cool. Sweet. Crushed it. I have some questions. Let's find out. Was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read? I don't have a ton of questions. One, because I wasn't sure what all to ask. But two, I knew you would have a lot to say. So we're going to let you have the lion's share of this episode. So I only have a handful of questions. A lot of them are line related because I know some lines stuck out to me as that I've seen like in memes or mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Just stuff that I've seen on the internet uh, since the movie came out. Um, and then a couple other things, but first this scene struck me as a particularly movie type moment is when we're first introduced to Mr. Darcy and um, Bingley uh, and his sister. That's his sister, right? Bingley's sister. Yes. Yeah. And they, uh, they all walk in, they're at like a, a, a local town dance hall mm-hmm. party thing. And um, they walk in and the whole room stops and like stares at them as they walk in. And then and then the party resumes and it's a very dramatic moment. And I want to know if that was from the book, because I didn't because because if it is, if it is, I want to know what's the deal. I know that they're like very wealthy. Yeah. And that like maybe that's all it is, but they're not they're not royalty of any sort. No, they're just no. part of the. They're like part of. They're part of the gentry. Yeah. class. Um, and I guess none of the people there were. Anyways, does the the whole like the room stopping? And no, staring? that's not in the book. Okay. I think yeah, probably like you implied, just done for like dramatic effect. Yeah. Um, which I get. I I do think like it takes me out of the world of the story, and I feel like this question is evidence that it did the same for you. A little bit, yeah. It takes me out in the sense of, like, what's their deal? And mm-hmm. I guess that's the point. Is yeah. You're supposed to be impressed and, like, Right. I mean, they are, they are wealthy. They're, like, the, the cosmopolitan city people. Right. Come to the small country town. They're also new. Yeah. Which is kind of unusual in a smaller town, so. Yeah. It's just a reaction you would see, like, you would imagine if, like, yeah, like, the king showed right. up or yeah. something. It's like, all right. <laughs> I don't know. 
Yeah, okay. Uh, this line, this is a great line. Uh, it's a sick burn. Uh, Darcy, uh, who won't dan- who, who, who decides, he says he doesn't dance and doesn't want to dance with, um, with uh, Elizabeth, uh, and then she overhears him talking about how she's plain or whatever. Uh, and he, they're going back and forth, having witty, having repartee about poetry and uh, and stuff. And he asks, uh, "What?" Because she says she doesn't, she doesn't think poetry is great for like wooing people or whatever. And he says, "What do you recommend for encouraging affections?" And she says, "Dancing, even if it's, even if one's partner is less than tolerable." And then she storms away in very dramatic fashion. And I want to know if that line was in the book because it's a sick burn. Uh, alas, it is not. Um... His original line about her being less than tolerable is oh, from the book, okay. but she doesn't get to throw it back in his face like she Dang. does in the movie. Shucks. And again, that kind of felt like more of a modern mm-hmm. yeah, for type sure. of moment <laughs> than what I, so I had a feeling that may have been an addition. Uh, is speaking, I mentioned we talked a little bit about the Bennett uh, matriarch earlier and in the movie at least in the first half she's kind of like a giggly loose cannon mm-hmm. who just like there's that whole interaction in the beginning in that dance hall where she's talking about how unattractive <laughs> Kira Knightley is no 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 she's talking about um her friend Charlotte oh is she yeah oh I thought she was talking about her I guess I missed it, the, the friend who ends up marrying right Mr. yeah Collins. I know who Charlotte yeah. is I just okay but she's and I guess she's been drinking or whatever she mm-hmm. seems like very like a giggly loose cannon. Is that how her character is in the book or is that more of like a played up for the film? I think the movie maybe goes a little gigglier and sillier, but the it's not inaccurate to the book. She does frequently act with impropriety. Um, Which is what Darcy accuses them of. Yes, and she's she is guilty of it. <laughs> yeah. Um she doesn't have the manners of the gentry class right. that Darcy is from. The book just... Descri- but seemingly even within their sort of Yeah, even within her social circle, social circle she's she kind seems of, a little more... Yeah. yeah. Uh, the book describes her as a woman of mean understanding, little information, and uncertain <laughs> temper. So she's kind of prone to dramatics and not especially smart. Fair enough. Because, yeah, it's definitely a different, I guess, because I was comparing, you know, it, obviously there are uh, tons of comparisons to which we, you know, Little Women, which we did not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And it was such a stark, starkly different type of, like, matriarch of the family. Yeah. Between. The, between Mrs. Bennett Mrs. and, and Marmy. Uh, yeah, and Marmy. Um, and Marmy is much more of, like, the stoic, you know, yeah. leader of the family kind of thing. And this <laughs> Ms. Bennett's kind of, like. Seems like a bit of a loose cannon. Mm-hmm. Uh, this line is a great line in the movie. Uh, we're jumping way ahead here. Um, this is after Mr. Collins has proposed to uh, Elizabeth, and uh, the, she's turned him down, and her mom has asked uh, Mr. Bennett, the father, to convince Elizabeth to agree to marry Mr. Collins um, because he, you know, she's getting old and. They need the money and that sort of thing. And he comes to her to confront her and he says, your mother will never see you again if you do not miss, marry Mr. Collins. And I will never see you again if you do. Uh, you know, making it clear that he doesn't like Mr. Collins. Or doesn't, mm-hmm. not that he doesn't necessarily like him, but that he sees that they're not a match. They don't make sense together. Yeah. And that he doesn't want her to basically give up her, you know, dreams and ambitions and that sort of thing to settle with this guy. Is that in the book? Yes, that line is directly from the book. Nice. 
uh, speaking of marriage proposals, we then go to the first Darcy proposal. Uh, and this line I recalled, I, like I said, I saw this movie in high school and I remembered mm-hmm. very little about it because I watched it <laughs> once in, in like junior year of high school or something. Uh, but I did with this line I remembered. And again, I probably just because I've seen other clips of it in other places or whatever. Uh, when he proposes the first time, he says, I love you most ardently. And it's a very distinctive line, obviously. And I felt like it was uh, probably a book line, but it also feels like a line people sort of connect with. It is kind of from the book. Kind of from the book. Kind of. The book's line is, you must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you. No, movie one's way better. (laughs) Or at least in its... It's definitely more succinct. It's more succinct and it just lands better. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I would have to read the whole thing in the book versus the whole movie version. And, you know, maybe there's ways that it works. I'm just saying that particular line feels like it would land a lot harder in the movie than it does in the how, how it's written in the book. But that's that's just my opinion. Speaking of another propo- there's a lot of <laughs> nothing but proposals in this movie uh, after Bingley, who leaves at one point uh, and then comes back and he's courting Jane was courting Jane. But then he leaves and it because Darcy and blah, 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 some stuff goes on, eventually does come back and confesses his love for Jane and proposes to her. And this line felt like a modern addition, but I just wanted to know if it was. When he goes to start his his proposal, he says, first, I must tell you I've been the most unmitigated and comprehensive ass, which felt way too self-reflective for a man in the 1700s. (laughs) (laughs) But that's just me. Is that in the book? Alas, it is not. Okay. I had a feeling. <laughs> it felt very, again, little details like that. I was like, that feels more modern. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing, yeah, I, I wouldn't have seen. Yeah, I don't think he would have said ass in front of a lady. Uh, getting to the big climax of the film, she has turned down, not turned down, but there's she's had the issues with Darcy. She's turned him down, and then and, and she doesn't think that, you know, they've had a misunderstanding and all this stuff. And then in the final moment, you know, and she's upset that she'll never. What has happened recently? What, what happened right before this? Lady Catherine came. And that's tried, what it yeah, was. She tried to make Lizzie promise not that's what to it was. enter into an engagement. Because Darcy. Darcy is going or is supposed to be getting engaged to her daughter. Right. Or niece or whatever. Or whatever some mm-hmm. one of her family members. That's what it was. I couldn't remember what the precipitating event was. But she storms out of the house um, and she's very upset. Uh, and then there's this long shot of Mr. Darcy walking through the sunrise mist, the mist rolling through the hills. He looks like Darth Vader. He's got like, <laughs> or Krennic in Rogue One with his 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 cloak billowing in the wind behind him. Very dramatic moment. Um, we talked about in the prequel episode, this is probably the shot where the, the, he's apparently this actor does not have particularly good vision. I guess could not wear contacts for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And they had to direct him with flags where to walk. To, and I assume this is the shot they're speaking of. Um, very dramatic moment, though, and I want to know if there's a dramatic, foggy sunrise approach in the book or if that was all drama for the film. No, there is not a dramatic, foggy sunrise walk across the pasture in the book. Well, how do they, they just meet up or what? Well, they are out on a walk together. Oh, okay. When they uh, end up like confessing their feelings for each right. other. So they, but he just comes over or she goes. Yeah, or, he's already there and they go out for a walk. Okay. Uh, during that speech, 
this is a, a line that I remembered. Is, I think it's probably the most famous line in this movie, maybe. And I didn't know if it was from the book or not. He says, you have bewitched me, body and soul, and I love, I love, I love you. I never wish to be parted uh, from you from this day on. And I, it's, I think the, move, the line I recognize the most from the movie, I feel mm-hmm. like, is it in the book? That actually is a movie edition. It is. Yeah. I would not have guessed that. It's. It feels like in that climatic moment, you have to have like literally whatever the words that, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that feels like a thing that they would. Well, what's interesting actually, and I have this as a later note, but the movie in, in both of Darcy's proposal and Bingley's proposal, the novel actually does a good bit of like summarizing. And the movie expands and gives oh. them actual lines. Interesting. Yeah. That is surprising. Yeah, I wouldn't have expected. I would have thought the other way mm-hmm. around. You know, like usually those kind of scenes are longer in novels. Like the conversations mm-hmm. tend to be longer and um, and movies tend to truncate and like edit down to yeah. like the highlights basically. So it's interesting that it would be the other way around. Huh. Um, but that is, I mean, that's my favorite line from this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's most I, yeah. people's favorite line. I, I do, I, but I do feel like it conceivably could have been written by it Austin. Feels like in, I would in the style. If I hadn't read the book and you told me it was from the book, I would buy that. Well, I mean, if you hadn't read the book, then you wouldn't know what to how to compare. But I think you're saying, like, having read the book, you you feel like it fits. Yeah, I feel like it's stylistically I feel like it fits with, stylistically okay. at least fairly well. Interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, yeah, like I said, I, it's the one line that r- rung a bell, I feel like, in the whole movie for me. I was like, I feel like I've seen this before. Maybe, it, I don't know where, but, I mean, I know I have seen it because I've seen the movie once, but mm-hmm. I, yeah. Interesting. Finally, at the end of the movie, they kind of just wrap things up. They're married, uh, and he calls her Mrs. Darcy a bunch of times and keeps kissing her. Um, that whole scene, is any of that from the book? It felt very movie. No, none of that is from felt the book. felt very <laughs> movie edition. They're like kneeling in front mm-hmm. of his <laughs> fountains, like his, you know, his pond or whatever, out in front of his yeah, estate and his grand estate with their with the torches burning on either side of them. I guess they were swimming. I don't know because he's like shoeless and. I mean, he's basically in his underwear yeah, in that scene. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, what are they? What were they doing? Well, I guess they were just hanging. Yeah, that felt like there was a scene we missed before this where they were like. It feels like a honeymoon scene. Yeah. to me. Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm just trying to figure out what they were doing before. Like, again, he's dressed like a beast when he comes back from being, you know, the prince. <laughs> from, like, from being a beast. Yeah, and he's like in the... I feel he's, like he's yeah, wearing a very similar type like, of... Um, just like an undershirt and like the and little like short... quarter length... Quarter length pants. Knickers or whatever yeah. they're called. Yeah. Breeches, that's Breaches, what they're called. Breeches, that's the word. Um, anyways, yeah, and he's like, he, he's keeps kissing her and saying her name and whatever. Uh, and I, I was like, this is a movie thing. This feels like a movie thing and it is yes fantastic all right i did not have a lost i really wasn't confused about anything mm-hmm. i followed everything very well there was a, probably little details that i missed or whatever but nothing that felt like it took away from my understanding or like what i needed to get out of the story so i didn't have a lost in adaptation this week but we do have boy do we have some of the other main segments so let's get into it with better in the book you like to read Yes, I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. All right, strap in, kids. So better in the book. There's some minor softening of Darcy's character in this movie. 
Okay. In the book, he starts out as much more of a pompous jerk. For example, when he delivers that line about Lizzie being barely tolerable, he actually looks her dead in the eyes right before Mm. saying it. Like, he knows she's listening, whereas the movie implies that he's at least a little bit embarrassed when she calls him out and reveals that, like, she heard him say that. In the book, he knows. Yeah. He looks her right right in the face and says this line. Now, I don't necessarily mind this choice by the movie, but I do think having him be more of a jerk early on makes his character growth more impressive by the end. Yeah. Yeah, the movie definitely plays him, and I think it's what you're about to talk to, as more sort of unsure Mm -hmm. of of how to interact with people. Yeah, definitely shy and socially awkward. Yeah, as opposed to a jerk. Now, he does still have... Again, he does still say things like she's barely yeah. oh, tolerable. He's, he's like he's still says, a jerk. Yeah, he's still a jerk. Um, but I, yeah, I, I guess I could see. Yeah, him. but there is th- that slight softening yeah. of him as a character. But the movie didn't invent his being shy and awkward out of whole cloth. Like they didn't just pull that out of nowhere. There's also a moment at the ball where the like the narration of the book tells us that. Darcy wants to know more about Lizzie. He's starting to, like, be interested in Mm -hmm. her. But instead of talking to her, he, like, follows her around and eavesdrops on her conversations. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. That was, and I have a note about it, too, but that was, it was like, I did feel in, and and I don't know if this is a good place to talk about it or not. I'm sure you have notes about it later. Um, I did feel that him and Mr. Collins were similar I have notes on Mr. Collins later. I feel like they were similar characters in the movie, at least. Yeah. Where they start are very similar, but in different ways. It is interesting. I, I You have notes on it, so we'll talk more about it later. But yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I have a whole thing about Mr. Collins later. Don't you worry. Okay. Fear not. And this movie also misses an iconic Mr. Darcy line, which is him begrudgingly admitting that Lizzie has fine eyes which is the line that I read earlier, um, which then becomes like a recurring indicator of his feelings throughout the book. Yeah. Well, they cast the right actress for that. Yeah, Kira Knightley does does have very fine eyes eyes and a pretty face. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, Another line that the movie missed from the novel that I wanted to bring up because it often gets poll quoted on the fronts of like journals and in like aesthetic Instagram graphics which is, I declare there is no enjoyment like reading. How sooner one tires of anything other than a book. And I just want to note, <laughs> I think the fact that this quote so often gets cherry-picked is really funny, because in the context of the novel, it's actually said by Caroline Bingley, and she only says it because she's trying to flirt with Darcy. Because he had just said that all accomplished ladies should read mm. extensively. Yeah. She's not actually like she's a like, reader. She's, like, oh, she's just yes, like, oh, books yes. Are, I do love, I love books. books. You're yeah. right. <laughs> so I think it's really funny that it gets like poll quoted all the time by like reading blogs That's and funny. stuff. Yeah. Uh, something that I thought the movie kind of glosses over is the issue with Mr. Collins inheriting Longbourn after Mr. Bennett dies. It's much more of a critical element in the book, and it's definitely Mrs. Bennett's primary motivation for wanting the girls to marry well. 
but I thought the movie kind of just like glossed they, over it. They mentioned that yeah, he he's getting the estate or whatever, and so there's that is a motivating factor in yeah. the mom, especially in particular in, in the her, mom yeah, in her, particular in wanting Lizzie to marry to marry Mr. Mr. Collins. Collins. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely not. I mean, and I don't know if I talked about it much in the prequels, but the, when they wrote this, they definitely, the movie, they they said, I think, I don't know if I included this quote, but I f- feel like I saw a quote um, from the director and stuff that was like, this is about <laughs> Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy. Everything else is just kind of like oh, yeah, unimportant. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, that, like, not unimportant, but like, they, they were like, we yeah. have two hours. This is what the heart of this story yeah. is. So and everything, everything else, else we kind can of we can figure out everything else. Yeah, yeah, we can everything else kind of goes into the background. Um, and so some of those other details they definitely weren't worried mm-hmm. about focusing on. Speaking of Mr. Collins, we've arrived at my thoughts on him. Okay. Um, I don't love the movie's softening of his character. Now you had a note later on. Yeah, we can talk about it now. That you said you thought it seemed like he was supposed to be autistic or yes. Or, 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 you know, something, some sort of social, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know exactly the right words for it, but that's what the vibe I got from the movie was that he's playing somebody who has, and at the time, obviously it wouldn't have, they just would have been like, he's awkward or whatever, but, um, or ridiculous as, uh, Elizabeth calls him a lot. And I don't know if that's a good choice or a bad choice in the movie, but because it is, I actually found him pretty sympathetic in the movie, mm-hmm. like relatively sympathetic. Like you can tell he's trying mm-hmm. and like he just doesn't, you know, he just operates differently than other people. Like he's just his mm-hmm. mind works differently than other people. And I actually ended up finding him as a relatively sympathetic character who's trying his best, but clearly just, you know. He's on kind of operates differently. Yeah, than they else. they play him as like super awkward and has a hard time, like. Yeah, he doesn't understand social, social cues very well, but in a different cues. way than Darcy. Yeah, like and he, has a hard time like making connections with people. Yeah, yeah, I, like to me, he read as like yeah somebody with Asperger's, I, I, which I don't know if that's still the correct uh-huh. term, but you know something like that right. is the I, vibe I got. Yeah, from I his can character. definitely see where you would get like. If maybe that was even like a conscious choice on somebody's part yeah. to play him that way. I, I, don't, yeah, know. I don't know. But that is how the movie plays him. Yeah. Now in the book, he is really obnoxious. He is just this like ridiculous, pretentious little person who has a very big, very inaccurate idea of himself. Yeah. And I don't think the movie softening that into social awkwardness, wor- it works. I think it makes the way that the Bennets react to him seem very mean. I agree. When I in, felt the, the same in the way. book, it makes perfect sense because he's just the most annoying person in yeah. the history of time. Just like one of those people that you're like, oh, yeah. I don't want to talk to this person. I, I, yeah, I 100% agree because I that first interaction with him where they're all like sitting around the table like you know glancing at each other and like and like laughing at laughing him. behind his back yeah. and stuff and he seems completely unaware yeah. and again he doesn't come across like pretentious like there are moments where there there are moments where he he comes across slightly pretentious you know and mm-hmm. he has lines that that read kind of more like pompous and obnoxious and that sort of thing but the performance and a lot of the lines and stuff he reads a lot more just like somebody who's unaware of 
again, uh, doesn't understand the social cues that he's getting and stuff yeah. like that and just is trying to interact. He's been, you know, brought up in a society where he's supposed to interface with people in a certain way and he's doing his best at it. And it does feel almost mean the way mm-hmm. he's treated by mm-hmm. everybody in the movie. And I guess that is an, a, a downside. I thought it was an interesting portrayal potentially, but it definitely because of the version of him from the book we're getting those reactions. We're getting right. the Bennett we family reaction to the book character. It, we changed one half of not yeah. the other. Yeah, we changed half of the equation, and it didn't, it, it didn't yeah, quite work. Yeah, it doesn't work. quite work. But it is interesting real quick, too, because you talked about it. In the, and it's funny because they cast a guy who would have been perfect, like, uh, at least physically, because you talk about, like, he giving him, like, Napoleon syndrome or whatever. Yes. yeah. They cast a guy, and they, they even emphasize that in the film by lo- lots of times. Show Like, there's one shot at the dance where they show him in line, and, you know, he's, like, shorter than every other guy in the line by, like, a head. Yeah. Um, and so they're playing into that idea visually with him, but the performance doesn't go the same direction. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, I don't know if it works. Yeah, I don't know if it works, and I'm wondering... I'm wondering how much of it was a choice or if they were maybe like really depending on people having read the book to like go into it knowing that they weren't supposed to like Mr. Collins. Well, and the movie gives you moments where you, you, there are things he says that are obnoxious. Like it's not just, oh, he's awkward. Like it's not just that. Yeah. But it does, it rides a line to where he not everything he says feels like it does. I don't know that first interaction with him for sure. And lots of other ones. He just, it just feels like a guy who doesn't really yeah. understand. I mean, you feel very sorry for you him. You feel sorry for moment. him in that moment, um, which is maybe its own problematic element, you know, the sort of that, but I did think still that it was, yeah, it, it, you just kind of mostly feel bad that, he, Oh, this guy just doesn't, yeah, he just does. He just, uh, his, you know, his brain works differently, and they're all kind of laughing at him, and it's like it doesn't uh, don't love it. All right. So speaking of other characters, <laughs> Wickham is really a non-character in this movie, which again I don't think works. Like it, it, it wouldn't be terrible to cut a lot of his scenes because he is in a good bit more of the book, but the movie really almost eliminates him entirely. And I don't think that works because understanding who he is and what happened between him and Darcy and how Lizzie's opinion of him changes is crucial to both Darcy and Lizzie's character arcs. Yeah. What I felt that the movie needed that we don't get was more of him after or some. Or we need it. We never get any inclination of him. Be we just get told he he's not a great guy by yeah. Darcy and yes. in the letter and stuff. We don't ever see that at any point. Yes. And I don't know if we do in the book or not, but I felt like that was one thing in the movie to me because then he just shows up at the end again, having married um one of the sisters, Lydia. Sister, Lydia. Yeah. And he's, you know, it, there's never any confrontation. There's never any like calling him out. Well, what I think would have helped in the book when they arrive at the Bennett's house after having gotten married, Wickham and Lydia, um, you know, in the movie they get there and he's just kind of quiet and it almost seems like he's ashamed is how it comes off to me because he's just kind of this non-presence. Yeah. And in the book, he is like brazenly unashamed. 
of what he's done yeah. and what he got out of his actions, which right. was a reward. Yeah, money. And I, I think that would have maybe gone a long way, like yeah. portraying that scene differently. Yeah, I, I think for sure. It definitely, because I, yeah, he just, yeah, I never got, you, we only ever are told that he he's not a good guy. We don't ever right. see it. And so it, it makes, it, it just makes that, the juxtaposition of his sort of, you know, what we get with Darcy versus what we end up with, what we initially see in Darcy versus what we end up with versus what we initially see in Wickham versus what we end up yeah, with. Yeah, they are each other's foils. They're sort of, you know, they're kind of going opposite directions in in uh, Elizabeth's, um, you know, view of them, essentially, and what she knows about them. But the movie only shows us that with Darcy, and it doesn't show us that with Wickham. It just tells us, like, it yeah. just kind of tells us that's yeah. the case. It's definitely a place where I do think that the filmmakers were depending on people having yeah. read the book or being familiar with the story in some way. Uh, so Charlotte and Mr. Collins end up getting engaged. Yeah. Um, and the book that actually... Was not who I, real quick, that's not who I thought she was gonna, he was going to get engaged oh, to. Hey, I had hold a whole different... Okay, hold I won't, on, because I, I want to know if your thoughts on that are different. I had a whole different <laughs> idea, because I thought the movie was like telegraphing something super hard, and then it didn't happen. I, I, ha- like, I think I have notes on okay. that in my general <laughs> section, and I'm very excited to see if you got the same thing I did. Um, but uh, So in the movie, that kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, the book leads up to that by showing her like talking with him several times. Yeah, in the movie, we get nothing. Yeah, I, and I, I don't necessarily mind that the movie has it come out of nowhere. I think it's fine, um, yeah. you know, for a two-hour film. Right, yeah, it's um, not super important. But I do think that the book's version makes sense. Um, but while we're on the topic of their marriage, I also want to talk about... Um, Lizzie and Charlotte having a bit of a falling out after she gets engaged to Mr. Collins, Mm -hmm. because that does happen in the book. Uh, I don't mind that the movie cuts this because I would worry that it would have come off as like Lizzie being jealous and like a woman pitted against women type of thing. Like that's what I'm concerned would have happened in 2005. In the book, the reason that they have a falling out is because Lizzie judges Charlotte really hard for marrying Mr. Collins, which is a good indicator of how judgmental she can be. Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of what she eventually character arcs away from. So it it is important in that sense. Yeah. 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 It shows her being really judgmental to somebody other than Mr. Darcy. I think the movie does that. And I think that's what you're supposed to get out of it. I, I, Cause I, I, cause I mean, she does have, I mean, they have that big interaction in the barn right, or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and basically, I mean, Charlotte does come back at her and it's like, don't judge. Like, I mean, literally the scene, she's like, don't judge me. Yeah. And, 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 and you can tell that in that moment, um, Lizzie kind of like is taken aback and like reflects on it. And she does mention later in the movie, you know, that she's at fault for the, her, the some of the relationships in her life. She does say that I have also been, you yeah. know, I don't remember exactly when it happens in the movie, but she mentions um, that she's, you know, been a fool or whatever, or mm-hmm. what I don't know exactly which, how she refers to herself. Um, and so I think the movie does that. Um, obviously, I don't know how it does it in comparison it's to the book, but I got, that was what I got from there. It's their, definitely more like truncated than it yeah. is in the book. Yeah. I thought it worked. I, th- I thought that scene was really good um, where she comes and confronts oh, her. I have notes. I have notes okay. on that scene in another okay. section. Okay. <laughs> Um, the movie cuts down on Mrs. Gardner's character, which I kind of miss. She's uh, Mrs. Bennett's sister. This is the aunt that Lizzie goes to see Pemberley. Oh with. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, she goes with her aunt and uncle. Played by, uh, I can't remember that actress's name, but Sean's mum in Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> that's, uh, that's yeah, that's um, Sean's so, mum. Yeah, she's Mrs. Also, Gardner um, played by Sean's mum. She's all, she's mum in everything because she's also in Doctor Who. And she was in Doctor Who like while filming this or like the same oh, yeah. time. She plays the, uh, uh, during the David Tennant run, she's the um, uh, prime minister for a while, I believe. Oh. Um, Oh, okay. And All he's right. the, yeah. Yeah. She's the one who, like, on one of the episodes, she blows up the aliens, and David mm-hmm. Tennant's, like, really mad at her. Uh, and then he's like, I can destroy you in five words or something. I think he goes, Don't you think she looks tired? <laughs> and then, yeah, that's her. Um, I think that's her. Anyways. Um, so she's Mrs. Bennett's sister, uh, and the text says that she's several years younger than Mrs. Bennett. I kind of got the implication that she might be somewhat close in age to the older girls. Uh, she seems like the cool, fun aunt. Yeah. You know, uh, she's also interesting because she is one of the first characters to both suspect that Wickham might not be exactly what he says hmm. and to suspect that Lizzie and Darcy might have feelings for each other. She's like a very perceptive. Yeah. Almost Greek chorusy character. She has a few moments of that from what I recall in the movie, mm-hmm. but she's not. Yeah, she's not in it a ton. Yeah. A couple scenes, but. So when Lizzie is staying with Charlotte and Mr. Collins, um, we missed some great stuff about Darcy stalking her around the grounds there. Like she takes walks and she keeps bumping into him and is really annoyed by it and can't figure out why he keeps coming out when he knows that she likes to walk there. And she just like cannot figure out why he's always there. Yeah. Uh, It's a moment that I really love in the movie because it's just so funny Um, when she's sitting in Charlotte's house and he just like busts in. Um, I don't know how realistic it is for him to just like battering ram into the house. Yeah. I do love it. Yeah, it's a great moment. But I don't know how much sense it makes. Yeah, it doesn't seem much within. Well, I don't know. It might fit his character, at least as presented in the movie. I mean, uh, making sense more in, like, in terms of, like, the manners of the time period. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's, but, but that's even what I mean, that I think that that breaking with some of those, some of that traditional manners type stuff, at least in the movie, Darcy mm-hmm. does, because he talks about, you know, again, similar to Mr. Collins, he he he, he knows, and, and it's weird, because he is very much, uh, you know, one of the things he he after he proposes to Elizabeth for the first time and she's mad at him, he explains that it, you know, about how improper her family is or whatever. Right. Um, but at the same time, he's also like not, he kind of has that same, again, in the movie version, at least um, a similar to Mr. Collins, like social awkwardness. Like it's a yeah. different version. Yes. Like it's a different um, uh, kind of it, but, and, and the idea of him, like kind of like, disregarding those manners and just storming in because he's like not even like he's like lost in his own thoughts and like like working up his courage to the point that he's not really thinking about what he's doing you know what i mean mm-hmm. kind of worked for me at least in terms of like with his character but i get what you're saying that yeah i even still he there are rules about those kind of things so, <laughs> so after mr darcy's initial ill-fated proposal to elizabeth uh she brings up Mr. Wickham as evidence of, like, how mean he is. Um, And he writes her a letter which reveals Mr. Wickham's uh, character and history. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he writes um, in the movie, he tells her that 
Mr. Wickham at one point declared love to Mr. Darcy's sister, Georgiana. And then when he found out that he wouldn't be getting any of her inheritance, he just like up and left, which devastated her, obviously. Mm -hmm. In the book, what we find out is that Wickham and Georgiana actually did run away together, Mm. which just... (laughs) Um, so the, the movie version of the letter is more concise, mm-hmm. gets the job done as far as like what we need to know about Wickham. Mm-hmm. But the book's version, I think, is much more sinister and better foreshadows what then happens with Lydia. Because mm-hmm. we know that this is the type of person he is. Yeah. That he's going to just abscond with this girl yeah. and risk ruining her reputation to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Lydia... Um, There's a great scene before Lydia leaves to go to Brighton uh, where Lizzie tries to, like, frighten Wickham into staying away from her by implying that she does know the truth about him and what Mm. he's done, which we don't get in the movie. Um, The movie also, I think, rushes the way that Lizzie and Darcy's relationship grows while she's in, I meant to double check how to say this. Derbyshire. 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 Would be my guess. <laughs> it's it's written like Derbyshire. Yeah. But my guess would be Derbyshire. Derbyshire. Or Derbyshire. Something like that. Um, so while she's um, in the countryside near Pemberley, um, the film just rushes it a little bit. They're only there for like a day. Uh, in the book, they're there for several days. She and Darcy spend more time together. He also spends more time with her aunt and uncle. She spends more time with his sister. And I think it just went a long way in showing how they've both changed. Yeah. I don't think the movie does terribly with it. No. But it is just yeah. a, little, a little bit rushed. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely, you can feel, it's it, it still works. Yeah. But, but it is definitely one of those things that when you got to do a lot of work to get to that point, and they don't have a lot of time at that point yeah. <laughs> to have, have them spending days, uh, you know, hanging out. Yeah. Another Mr. Collins thing from the book that we miss in the movie is that after Lydia runs off with Wickham, Mr. Collins sends a truly horrid letter to Mr. Bennett urging the family to disown her to save their own reputations. And it's interesting because there's some very light critique of Christianity Mm. there in the book. He's basically like, forgive her, but never see her or speak to her ever again because she's a fallen woman. Yeah. And you can't have that. Can't have that. But, but forgive taint her. everything. But, but, but you know, but, but forgive, you know, her. But forgive her. That's we don't ju- the Christian judge, thing to do. But just don't ever talk to her again. <laughs> <laughs> so um, coming up on the end of the story here, once Darcy and Lizzie confess their feelings to each other and he proposes, more time actually passes in the novel before they tell anyone. And again, I don't mind that the movie speeds this up. I think that makes perfect sense. But there is a funny moment in the book where Darcy is just over at their house all the time because of Lizzie, but he's awkward, so he just sits there silently, and Mrs. Bennet is like, why is he always here? I don't understand. He doesn't even like us. (laughs) Figure it out, Mrs. Bennet. It's not that hard. It's pretty obvious. Jane and Lizzie also have a double wedding at the end of the book. Yeah, we don't see either of them. No, we don't see either of their weddings, but it's very Shakespearean and in a double wedding. Yeah. Everybody goes to the altar. 
Um, and another thing that I thought was cute is that the end of the novel also notes that Jane and Bingley ended up buying an estate nearby Pemberley. So they're like neighbors now. They're neighbors. Adorable. As, well, as close as neighbors in giant estates. Yes. <laughs> dozens of acres <laughs> worth of land can be. You got to get in the carriage and ride over. But they have fine carriages because they have money. So it's, it's not a big deal. Now, so it's all fine. She doesn't have to walk through the mud getting her him. But she, she, still will, she still will, though. She still will. Uh, all right. Very nice list of things that were better in the book. Let's go ahead and find out what Katie liked better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. Okay, so I have quite a few things here. A lot of them are individual lines that were added to the movie. The first one being when at the very beginning when Mr. Bennett comes out of his office and all of the girls are standing there and he goes, oh, good heavens, people. <laughs> Highly relatable. Yes, very <laughs> relatable. I related a lot to Mr. Bennett. <laughs> we talked about it in the prequel, but I did really enjoy the chaotic interactions of the Bennett family mm -hmm. and how I like their house, too, where it's very like cluttered and seems lived in. They... That was another thing they did mention in the some of the notes I saw is trying to make a more vi obvious visual distinction between the people who were incredibly wealthy and the people who were just like, yeah, moderately, you know, like yeah. they were middle class or upper middle class or whatever, like the Bennett's were right. They're, they're, they're like, not they're they're fine. They're, they're technically gentry like yeah. her father's a gentleman, right. but they're but they're not. They don't have they have and they have house servants and stuff, yeah. but they don't have they're the house not the house servants that like you know wear coats and yeah like they're very you can tell even that there's very distinct visual choice between whenever you see the servants and stuff at like the Bingleys and stuff they're like you know all white mm -hmm. with their wigs and everything yeah. whereas the, the 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 women and stuff who take care of the Bennett's house like they're a lot dirtier like you know mm -hmm. like they're clearly working in these clothes all day and stuff it's a very distinct choice to make them. Uh, make the difference in class there obvious, even though they are kind of part of the same yeah. class-ish. Yeah. The movie made the wise choice, I think, to cut the character of Mr. Bingley's other sister, Mrs. Hurst, and her husband. We don't spend so much time with the Bingleys in the movie that <laughs> one sister can't get the job done. So I'm glad they cut them, too, because I had this note later, but we'll talk about it now. I love the way this movie shoots... In the opening of this movie, the way they shoot the Bingleys and Darcy all the time, it's if you um, think of this when you're watching the movie and think or if you watch the movie and think back and just think they're the Cullens. Yes, it's I didn't, it's, they I, shoot them like vampires. Didn't like I say that in one of our Twilight episodes, though, that the Maybe. Cullens are always arrayed like they're... I'm pretty yes. sure yeah. I said that they were always arrayed like they were in a Jane Austen film. Oh, maybe you did. And so I'm maybe almost it's, sure maybe, I maybe, said that exact maybe thing. Maybe there's a chicken and egg thing there because, yeah. yes, it's very much <laughs> get the vibe. Every, there's a couple moments in particular, obviously, like when they walk into the hall and everybody's quiet and they walk down. But yeah. there's one shot in particular, too, where they're standing... In like the the you know the the foyer or whatever um, the sitting room and they're like by the window and one's on a couch and then the other one's like standing and they're just like a painting all the time and just yeah. and I think it wouldn't work as well with four of them it wouldn't have the same sort of it would throw off visual, the, the visual like, symmetry yeah. and balance <laughs> yeah something about the three of them 
and they all and and they just look so picturesque all the time <laughs> it's very interesting and yeah i couldn't get over how it's like are they gonna be vampires and that's i was like it's funny i watched this i was like you know it would make sense if somebody watched that and was like okay this but they're vampires and i'm like maybe that's what <laughs> the cullens came from it's just like yeah yeah that makes sense i loved the line uh when lizzie i think it was lizzie somebody asks do you dance mr darcy and I love his response, not if I can help it. Yeah. Again, hashtag really. I almost <laughs> asked about that because I was like, I feel like I've said that to people before <laughs> at, at weddings or something like that. But I really liked that the movie had uh, Lizzie and Jane's conversations happen while they're like in bed getting ready to go to yeah. sleep. I thought it was really cute and like sisterly. It reminds yeah. me of like sleepovers. Mm-hmm, for sure. I mean, they're literally like under the covers, like, yeah, even like though whispering they're like to in their each 20s other. or whatever. But they're still, yeah. Right? They're like in early 20s. They're like 20 ish, yes. right? In the book, um, Lizzie is 20. Yeah. So Jane is a year or two older. Yeah. You know, I love how wild Lizzie looks in the movie when she first walks into Netherfield. With like, like she never would have had her hair loose in that time period, but it's just such a picture, especially in contrast to, like you said, Darcy and the Bingleys are arrayed arrayed so elegantly, and she walks in just looking like looking like she was born from the moors, (laughs) with her hair wild and her hem six inches deep in mud. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so she stays at Netherfield, Netherfield for a while, and um, then when she leaves, we get uh, the moment, one of the moments that is oft discussed from this film, which is the bare hand <laughs> touch yeah. when Darcy helps her into the carriage. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> that bare hand touch. <laughs> the camera zooms in on her face, and she's so aghast. She's so taken aback. She really is, though. So taken aback. And then we get the zoom in on his hand with the little flex, like, I'm never washing this hand ever again. That was such an interesting thing in this movie that I wasn't expecting because it's a very uncommon. And I would be interested to see if that because I don't remember seeing any notes about this. The 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 use of zooms. Yeah. And especially in cinema is a very uh, especially in this kind of cinema, like a period um, you know, drama essentially mm-hmm. is definitely a choice. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, it was, I thought it was really interesting. So, because a lot of times you'll see, and it is considered kind of gauche in film to use a zooms, unless you're doing very specific things like, um, you know, specifically some action movies will use zooms in very specific ways mm-hmm. to like emphasize action or even like, you know, the very famously like snap zooms and stuff. Uh, Edgar Wright uses a ton of them in all of his movies, like do those quick zooms in on stuff like while action is happening, you know, like when the shifting the car knob and it zooms in and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But in general, you it's it's considered. um yeah, kind of gauche to use zooms in, in, in cinema. And so instead you would use a lot of like dollying, like actually physically moving the camera closer or further away, which this movie still does uh, a lot with camera movements. But I thought it was really interesting. And I, I would be interested to hear the thought process behind actually using a bunch of sort of small zooms here and there to focus in on characters and, and at different moments. And it's kind of similar to how action movies use it. And I mm-hmm. do wonder if it has to do with sort of the British TV um, background of 
this director like mm-hmm. if that because same thing like with Edgar Wright that obviously uses zooms a lot I don't know I'd just be interested to see because yeah zooms is a I was not expecting that visual that cinematic um language cinematography choice yeah. in this movie was not expecting it at all I thought it was very interesting I think it works but it's just kind of interesting Another addition that the film made, um, possibly the most oft-memed line from this movie, is Mr. Collins' What Excellent Boiled Potatoes. Yes. It's been many years since I've had such an exemplary vegetable. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure they're delicious. I loved it. (laughs) Speaking of Mr. Collins, I also love the scene where he's dancing with Lizzie and trying to have a conversation with her, but it doesn't work because it's one of those yield dances where they're like moving back and forth on the on the dance floor. Yeah. So I love that scene. And then we get the immediate contrast of the ease with which Darcy and Lizzie managed to do that exact thing. Um, I thought it was a really nice, like kind of contrasting moment. Mm-hmm, for sure. Also, just... The visual of Mr. Collins trying to get Darcy's attention, and he's, like, two feet shorter than him, like, tapping on his shoulder. Yeah. Um, I love, uh, right before Mr. Collins proposes, Lizzie just desperately trying to get everyone to stay in the room with her <laughs> yeah. when he requests an audience. In the book, she does, uh, Mrs. Bennett is in the room, and she's like, please, ma'am, I beg of you not to go (laughs) in the book. But I thought the movie, like, really elevated it to something else, especially her, like, desperately looking at Jane, like, please, please, (laughs) please don't go. Yeah. I really love the change of Charlotte telling Lizzie that she and Mr. Collins are engaged and the speech that she makes. I thought of it it's almost like a precursor to amy's speech to laurie about marrying wealthy yeah in the 2019 yeah she points out like i don't have all of the choices that you have and i have to do this or i'm not going to be secure in my future yeah yeah it is very similar i I, that's right i did i'd Mm -hmm. forgotten i was like this reminds me of something and i forgot what it reminded me of and it was that scene from little women uh, the book gives you the same sense of why she does this, yeah. but it's kind of scattered throughout the text rather than delivered directly by Charlotte. Yeah. Um, when they get to Lady Catherine's estate, um, when she's visiting Charlotte and Mr. Collins, there's a little moment that I liked where Lady Catherine makes Mr. Collins switch seats. I'm assuming it's a weird like manners thing where she's like, you can't sit next to your wife. Um, but I thought it was a nice little character moment for her. Yeah. And it's also a good excuse to have Lizzie and Darcy end up next to each other. Mm-hmm. And then later on, um, after that scene, when Lizzie is playing the piano, um, Darcy, uh, they're talking while she's playing. Um, and Darcy says um, that he doesn't have the gift of conversing easily mm-hmm. with people, which mm-hmm. is from the book. Um, but the movie then gives Lizzie a line to fire back and she says, perhaps you should take your aunt's advice and practice. Uh, there's also a silly moment when Mr. Collins is delivering a sermon in church that I love where he says, through intercourse. Yeah. Forgive me, through the intercourse of friendship. <laughs> friendship yeah. And everybody like stops for a second. Like, Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> 
I love that they moved the first proposal from Darcy out into the pouring rain. Mm -hmm. In the book, it happens like in the drawing room, but pouring rain, man. Yeah. So aesthetic. Uh, and just like the thunder in the background. Yeah. Uh, and you slice, They're on like a top of a giant hill with like a lake. There's like a, and they're, they're underneath like, I don't even it's know what, like a it's mausoleum. Like a mausoleum. Yeah. yeah. They're just like both out there for some reason in the pouring rain and they're like dripping wet and there's thunder in the background and oh, you just slice <laughs> that romantic tension with a knife. It's yeah. so thick. I love it. <laughs> uh, I loved the change when they visit Pemberley. Um, they look at a bunch of marble statues mm -hmm. and there's like a, a marble bust of Mr. Darcy. Yeah. Um, in the book, it's portraits. Oh, yeah. I liked the change to the, the marble statuary. Um, I, really stunning visuals. Mm -hmm. um, and that very thick statue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with, with two with, C's. With the booty. Yeah. That statue. <laughs> I also like uh, when they're at Pemberley, I liked that the movie has Lizzie get separated from the group and like accidentally comes across the Darcy's, whereas in the book, they're like outside and Mr. Darcy arrives and mm -hmm. like sees them. Uh, I thought it just made the secondhand embarrassment palpable in a way that it might not have been had it adhered more yeah. closely to the book. Like she basically got caught spying on them. Yeah. And the secondhand embarrassment yeah. is so real in yes. that moment. Absolutely. The movie gives some slight justice to Mrs. Bennett <laughs> with the line, when you have five daughters, Lizzie, tell me what else will occupy your time. Um, referring to her obsession with them all getting married. Yeah. Um, so there's some slight justice there to Mrs. Bennett, who is absolutely correct <laughs> to focus so narrowly on getting her five daughters married. Like... She she doesn't have the intelligence or the education to know how to go about it subtly. No. But she's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's she's doing what she can. Yep. Uh, the movie moves things along by having Lydia just tell Lizzie how Darcy was involved in the whole thing with Wickham, whereas in the book... Lizzie kind of dar blech, Lydia kind of mentions it, and then Lizzie has to write to her aunt and wait for a response back, and it's whole it's this whole thing, and there are very long letters. Um, so I liked the way that the the movie kind of moved that along, hustle things. Everything about the Mister Bingley proposal scene is better in the movie. Mm. I love. When we first um, pull in on the Bennets and they're just kind of like lazily yes. lounging around. I was around. actually going to ask if that was in the And book. then there's like the scramble to get ready and the contrast with the how they're arrayed. Cut to them, like, yeah, yeah, sitting around very properly. Yes. Um, and then when Bingley's talking to them all, the sheer panic <laughs> on his face, he looks like he's about to throw up. Yeah. This poor guy. Um, and then. Darcy and Bingley out by the lake with Darcy helping Bingley rehearse <laughs> his proposal. What a good bro. <laughs> um, and then I love the way when he comes in the room, he's alone with Jane and he apologizes and then just pauses and silently goes down on one knee. Mm -hmm. And that is that is a moment. <laughs> it's a moment that does things for me. <laughs> So then Lady Catherine shows up at the Bennett household in the middle of the night, which I will grant you would not happen. Yeah. In the book, she just arrives during the day like a normal person. But damn, it's so dramatic. <laughs> it's the drama. 
I, and I, I think in a way it kind of makes sense that she would like want to sneak around so that maybe no yeah. one would know she went there. Yeah. It would be, I think it would be considered improprietous enough that she still wouldn't do that. Right. But it's the drama, man. Yeah. The drama. Yeah. And then we uh, we get the, the second proposal from Mr. Darcy, which we've talked about um, best proposal in a movie ever. I'm going to say Dang. it. Best one. High praise. And God help me, I love the shot of Darcy just sitting outside with the chickens while Lizzie talks to Mr. Bennett. <laughs> He's just like sitting forlornly outside yeah. while the chickens do their chicken business around <laughs> him. And there's just something that I love about it so much. Yeah. I also prefer the movie's version of how Mr. Bennett responds to the news that Darcy paid off Wickham, where in the movie he's like, oh, my God, I have to pay him back. Right. In the book, he's like, oh, good, that means I don't have to pay him back because he'll refuse <laughs> it out of love for you. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about Mr. Bennett a little bit more later. Okay. And then um, the end of the movie, the scene where they're sitting outside in their underwear talking about what Mr. Darcy should call Lizzie and when, um, and he kisses her a bunch. I also love that scene. Uh-huh. It also does things for me. <laughs> the book ends with a summary of how everyone reacted to their engagement and then a further summary of like where all of the different characters ended up. Yeah. Which is interesting, but it is, I think, kind of dated and something that I don't know if a modern audience really needs. I would agree. And I much prefer a quiet scene that focuses on their relationship. Yeah. Which yeah. works for what the movie is doing, it's, which is focus on their relationship. Yeah. And especially because we haven't seen, I mean, that's, we haven't seen them together other than the engagement. Like we haven't, yes, we don't get absolutely. any of them, of their relationship. So having that be the final scene I think makes perfect sense and works really well. All right. We've got another big list of the things that the movie nailed. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Okay. I can go through this one more quickly though. I mean, we're doing fine. We're not, we're not hardly over long here. We're, we're doing fine. All right. So the movie nailed, the opening conversation between Mr. and Mrs. Bennett about how he needs to go pay a visit to Netherfield because there's a single guy living there. Oh, yeah. I thought all of the actors in this movie did a bang-up job, um, but a particular scene where three particular actors I thought did a great job of immediately getting to the heart of who each character is was the scene where Darcy Bingley and Miss Bingley mm-hmm. walk into the ball and you yeah. immediately, stoic Darcy, affable Mr. Bingley, <laughs> yeah. snotty Miss Bingley. Like, it's it's apparent who they are immediately. Yeah. And 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 a lot of that is, I think, just looking at, like, I mean, yes. obviously it's how they carry yeah, themselves Yeah, there's a lot of visual language there. Just, yeah. The, uh, that, that, that actress who plays Miss Bingley, it's like, I know her from something, and then I figured it out. She's in the... Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, Sherlock Holmes movies. Oh. She's Miss Watson. Well, in the first one, she's engaged, I think, to Watson. Oh. But in the second <laughs> one, they're married. She, yeah, she plays uh, Mary Watson. <laughs> so I don't remember that. I don't. All. I've never seen the second one, but I've I remembered her the from the first. I liked the first one a lot, but yeah. I did not remember that she was in it. Yeah, and she's not in it a ton, but yeah. she is like engaged to or going to be engaged to Watson or whatever. She plays a snob very well yes. in this film. Yeah. 
they have the exchange that we mentioned earlier about uh, whether or not poetry is the food of love. Uh, that's accurate up to a point, as we talked about. Mm-hmm. Miss uh, Mrs. Bennett's scheming to keep Jane at Netherfield. She makes her take go on horseback instead of taking the carriage. So that she knows it's going to rain. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, that was that was purposeful on her part. Like she's like, oh, it's going to rain. So if I send her on horseback, she'll have to stay there longer. I don't think she like was planning for her to get sick. Oh, okay, that's what I was like. Was she scheming for her to catch a cold? As but she was pleased by it when it happened. There you go. Uh, Lizzie walking to Netherfield, um, and also a lot of the bits from when she's at Netherfield. Caroline trying to flirt with Darcy and him not being really receptive to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the conversation that they have about uh, accomplished women and what you need to do in order to be accomplished. Although some of Darcy's lines from the book went to Caroline in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, when they take a turn about the room and then have a conversation. <laughs> it's also weird. Yeah, it's, this is a little is... weird. But it does happen in the book. Yeah. And then Mr. Darcy's like, I can admire your figures much better from here. <laughs> That first conversation with Mr. Collins, um, where they talk about how he gives pleasing little compliments mm-hmm. to the ladies, uh, almost word for word from the book. Yeah. Although, as we discussed, it does play very differently yeah. in the film. Uh, Mr. Collins also initially expresses interest in Jane, but Mrs. Mm-hmm. Bennett puts him off to Lizzie instead, which is a good thing because Jane probably would have just done the dutiful thing yeah, and married him. probably. Uh, Wickham has a particular line about Mr. Darcy. He says, if he wishes to avoid seeing me, he must go. Yeah. Um, But then ends up avoiding Darcy because he's a big liar. Yeah. Um, But he does tell stories about how Darcy supposedly did him wrong, which end up being false, as Mm -hmm. we learn. When they are at the Netherfield Ball, the Bennets all act in an embarrassing manner. Lizzie is very humiliated by their behavior. (laughs) They're also the last to leave the ball, which is awkward. Uh, Charlotte does point out in the book that Jane needs to be more obvious about her feelings for Bingley so that he realizes that she likes him. Yeah. Um, Caroline or Charlotte thinks she's being a little too subtle, mm-hmm. which as it ended up, she was right. Yep. Uh, Mr. Collins, horrible, long winded proposal. And then his subsequent no means yes. Yeah. Bullshit. That is one of the more. But even still, he plays it. Just so like I don't know, but, but he even, plays it very awkward. But even yeah. so, but that is one of the moments that is more like you know obnoxious. Yeah, like where he keeps being like, "No, I, I know you're just yeah, you know." Like that know, part I know it's, come across a little more. It's entitled. the convention right. for young ladies to say no. Yeah, when they really mean yes. Okay. Jane in the movie is similarly incapable of thinking ill of anyone. She makes excuses for everybody. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Bennett has a line about how a girl likes to be crossed in love now and then. That's from the book. Uh, The awkward conversation with Lady Catherine about how the Bennett family educated or I guess in her view did not educate their daughters um, and how they're all out in society at the same time, which she finds very odd. Yeah. Um, And then specifically Lizzie's line, with younger sisters grown up, your ladyship can hardly expect me to own to it (laughs) when she asks how old she is. Um, And speaking of Lady Catherine, uh, she is unsurprisingly nailed by Dame Judi Dench. Unsurprising. Unsurprisingly. Um, Colonel Fitzwilliam, 
uh, unknowingly spills the beans that it was Darcy who separated Jane and Bingley. So that's how Lizzie finds out about that. Uh, Lizzie also tries to convince Mr. Bennett to forbid Lydia from going to Brighton because she knows that it could end up being dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mr. Bennett just kind of mumbles some nonsense and won't listen to her. Uh, This is a very small moment, but considering all that got cut from Lizzie's time in Derbyshire, I loved that they gave Georgiana this little moment of looking knowingly at her brother when he's talking to Lizzie. Because Georgiana is the OG Lizzie Darcy Shipper. (laughs) Um, So I'm glad that the movie got to at least hint at that. Uh, Mr. Bennett's line, no man in his senses would marry Lydia on so slight a temptation as 100 pounds a year, which is kind of mean, but probably accurate. (laughs) We'll talk about him. We'll talk about him. Um, Also, Mrs. Bennett's about face into sheer joy when she hears that Lydia is going to get married. That was funny. She goes from, yeah, like bedridden and woe be be gone to, oh, we got to have a party. (laughs) Tell everybody. Also, Lydia is a silly little twit upon coming home after getting married. Just absolutely ridiculous. Her and Carrie Mulligan are so obnoxious and they just giggle nonstop at the most uh, awful just constantly like i mean i'm sure it was fun to play they just literally just giggle the whole fucking movie but like the the scene where colleague she turns down colin's uh mr colin's proposal and they're all just sitting back there laughing yeah. like, you guys are terrible jesus that is a moment again where i do i felt where i felt really sorry for yeah, him yeah like he just got rejected by this and they're girl all and they're just, just laughing openly at him. laughing yeah, it's at so him mean A lot of the dialogue in the scene between Lady Catherine and Lizzie um, when she comes to their house in the middle of the night is directly from the book, uh, particularly the iconic line, are the shades of Pemberley to be thus polluted, (laughs) which is amazing. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, And a lot of the lines from Lizzie's conversation with Mr. Bennett at the end um, are from the book, including... Uh, I could not have parted with you, my Lizzie, to anyone less worthy. Less mm-hmm. worthy, and if any young gentlemen come for Mary or Kitty, send them in. I'm quite at my leisure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So many good things that the movie nailed. We've got some odds and ends, and then we'll get to the final verdict. Uh, I, I, we talked about a lot of my stuff already. One of mine that I thought was really interesting is there's an opening shot. Um, so it's funny. They use zooms a lot in this movie uh, to kind of, which part of the reason that it zooms are, are you know, considered sort of hack is that it, it lets you get away with with not moving the camera as much in, mm-hmm. in more creative ways. Like you can just zoom versus like literally physically moving the camera. Um, but one thing, this movie also does lots of really interesting, uh, you know, sort of physical moving of the camera, including this one big long tracking shot in and out of their house in the beginning. Yeah. That is really impressively lit. Um, and I, I don't know. There's, it's funny because there are some scenes later on that aren't as impressively, like there's some other longer tracking shots where they clearly had to do some post-production lighting tweaking. And I'm sure that they still did in this obviously, but, uh, in this opening shot, but it's really well, like it's just cause she's walking, Lizzie's walking all around the house and the camera goes outside and then inside and then back outside and then back inside. And it's all lit really like it looks gorgeous. And I was very impressed by that whole sequence. Um, it's a movie. 
is so delightfully aesthetic. It has some great moments for sure. I love uh, everything. I mean, there's that the that one film. shot that is just like kind of out of nowhere. Um, and it has it's funny because it goes from a great shot to a terrible shot. And that's when she's standing on the side of a cliff or whatever, like mm-hmm. with the wind and her dress blowing in the wind. It's a great shot. But then they cut to a close up of her. That looks very clearly like it was shot in a studio and composited like on a green mm-hmm. screen to me. And maybe it wasn't, but it looked like it to me. Like the lighting on her mm-hmm. didn't feel right. Um, it felt like studio lighting that they kind of tried to match as much as possible. Also, that's like the first shot where she's clearly wearing the wig. <laughs> like it's very obvious yeah. that that's was wig from now on. But it's so funny because I was like, wow, that's such a gorgeous shot. And then it's like, why did we feel the need to cut to the close up of her? I guess my guess would be they didn't think they've. For some reason, they felt like they needed to make it clear that it was her. Mm-hmm. When it's like, obviously, it's who obviously, else would it be? Yeah. Like, I don't, whatever. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. I, uh, the only other note that I had that we haven't talked about is I thought Donald Sutherland was a delight in he, this he movie was, as uh, Mr. Bennett. He did a very good job. He's very charming. All right. I have some additional thoughts <laughs> that didn't really fit anywhere else. I should have mentioned this in the prequel when we talked about how the movie moved the time period. Yeah. But it actually makes sense. Moving the time period puts the story closer to when Austin started writing the original manuscript, which was when militias were stationed yeah. across England. In this late 1700s. Which was, yeah, which was part of, like, her inspiration yeah. for starting to write it because she was staying with her brother and there was a militia stationed nearby. Yeah. So moving the time period, I get why people get salty about it. But look, it actually kind of makes sense, I you guys. I <laughs> thought the same thing, and I didn't say anything about it. I thought the same thing in the when in the prequel when I read notes. I read a note that said um, one of the changes the movie makes is that usually the story is considered set uh, in around 1813 when the story was published. I'm like, but why would it be? Because she didn't write it. Yeah. Like I was like, to me, I would have imagined it was set around the time. Yeah, she started when writing. She started it. writing it. Which was and not the late when she 1700s, published it. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, but anyways. And a lot can change in fifteen to twenty years. Yeah, especially yeah. I wanted to mention Caroline's costumes because this is something that I always wonder about every time I watch these movies, particularly her ball gowns, which are like sleeveless. Because I always Caroline's wonder, Miss Bingley, Caroline, right? yeah, okay. Miss Bingley. Because I always wonder if her dresses are period and accurate. I have no idea because they look it to me. Yeah, but I don't know enough about it to know if my assessment is correct or not. And like I, I know it's also supposed to make her look more sophisticated and cosmopolitan right. than all of the other like country girls. Yeah, but it is something that I wonder about. And I, I thought about watching, like I was like, oh, I could go on YouTube probably and find some video tearing this movie to shreds probably um, for the costumes, but I just didn't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean the 1940s version, she, that doesn't look remotely period accurate. Oh no. But forties, like I feel like the forties and the eighties were like especially notorious for that. Although to be fair, the nineties, I don't know the one from the nineties. I mean, you can always tell. Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know, though, so I couldn't even begin to argue. I mean, her, like, the one of the shots they show of her, I mean, it looks like she's just wearing, like, this dress looks like she's just wearing the under part of a dress and not the rest yeah. of it. <laughs> like, yeah, that's it kind of does. Like, um, like, she's not wearing the outer part of her dress. See, and 
I have such mixed feelings about the like period costume yeah. accuracy thing because on the one hand, I do think it's interesting and I think it can be really interesting yeah. when a property puts a lot of effort into mm -hmm. having like very period accurate costumes. Absolutely. And I, I love costuming. I at one point wanted to go into costuming yeah. back when I was still entertaining the notion of like going into the theater, but I was kind of starting to get the sense that maybe I couldn't make it as an actress. I was like, maybe I could go into costuming, but the school I was at, the theater program at yeah. the time, didn't have a, a costuming option, so I yeah. just didn't do it. But then, but on the other hand, I feel like so often people who get really like into the nitty gritty about that totally ignore like the the storytelling, the storytelling aspect. aspect of it. Yeah, it's and it's it's like all things. It's you know the the most ardent people on both sides are probably wrong not that that's true all the time but like in in some kind of like sort of niche thing like yeah. this like you know the people who are like wow it's not period perfect and that you know like sure there's but there is you you definitely can gain something um and it can be super interesting to have very period accurate yes, stuff in a yes. period piece because you know it's some kind of the same thing uh a similar idea with a lot of times with like um sword choreography and like historical mm -hmm. movies where the sword choreography is like never particularly accurate mm -hmm. like you know at least to how like you know the 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 fighting of that time would be done um or even just the weapons they're using and all that sort of stuff but it kind of depends like in the same light it's like you got there's trade-offs between like how historically accurate something is can be cool and interesting in its own way but also narratively for what we're trying to do certain other things need to be taken yeah. into account so you kind of have to find yeah. the right balance I think in general, movies probably could use a little more, like research, like do a little take, yeah, lean a sure. little more into the historical accuracy, just because it'd be more interesting. But I, I, I do think there's a difference between something like like you pulled up the 1940s version, yeah. and it's very obviously like this is from the 1940s, yeah, it's like a 40s, choice. or like. One of my favorite things about 80s movies is that no matter what time period they're set in, the hair is yeah, always 1980s. Always 80s hair, yeah. And I think there's a difference between something like that and something that is period inaccurate for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. If it's period inaccurate for a reason, yeah. and, and it sounds the, like in this movie, it seems like a lot of... The non-acknowledgement of period inaccurate for a reason is what irks me. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, if there's an intention behind it, as opposed to just, oh, we, you know, we didn't do the research. Right. And in this one, it does seem like, because we talked about how they, they specifically, they put people in different period clothing yes. from roughly the period, you know, of a span of 50 to 60 years or whatever to differentiate between class and 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 yeah, the, there was uh, the very generations clearly at that least sort of some thought put into it yeah and it wasn't just we didn't do the research so we just guessed or you know right. or just like we found something we thought looked cool yeah it's not it wasn't just that <laughs> okay i'm very excited to hear your thoughts on this to see if we ended up in the same place oh after lizzie rejects mr collins yes this thing we talked the about camera earlier. pulls in Onto Mary's face. Is Mary the the, the middle the Bennett one who sister. never talks? Yes, the one who never talks. That a hundred percent who I thought he was going to end up with. Yes. Okay. A hundred percent. All right. When when, he, when after he marries what's her name or gets engaged to her friend, I was like, wait, oh no, I I a hundred percent was like, oh, they're going to end up together. Him and the other sister. The, okay. The, so here's the thing, I have always thought 
Mr. Collins and Mary make sense. They make perfect sense. They make sense. perfect sense. Like, I wouldn't say that I ship them or anything like that, but they make sense. They make like, Mary, sense. Even in the book, they make sense. Because really? Mary is serious and yeah. studious and also kind of insufferable. Yeah. Yeah. You get, I very much got the vibe that they... Because she, she has remarks in the movie, I feel like, that are... There's numerous times in the movie where it felt like they were foreshadowing... Yeah. Them ending up together. There are and numerous like, times in the book where it feels like they're yeah. foreshadowing them ending up together, but he ends up with Charlotte. So yeah, no, I a hundred percent thought that was who and uh, that actress, and I, I was like, I know her from so she was in Doctor yeah. Who, but no, because um, that I had forgotten about that like zoom in on yeah. her face, and my my note is literally see the movie agrees with me. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I like I said, just having watched the movie, I a hundred percent thought that's where it was going. And then when Charlotte showed up and was like, we're engaged, I was like, oh, you're not who I thought. That, that's not where I thought that was going. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so my last note here, uh, I want to talk about how the movie softens Mr. Bennett's character. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't mind this like I did with Mr. Collins. In the book, Mr. Bennett is kind of mean. Uh, the movie occasionally shows him having a tender moment with his wife. Um, we also see him comforting Mary at the ball after she was trying to play the piano and everybody was laughing at her. Yeah. Whereas in the book, it's very clear that he and Mrs. Bennett are no longer super fond of each other. Yeah. They don't have very much in common. Uh, he married her because she was hot. Um, and then they ended up like not really being super compatible. Mm -hmm. Um, he always he's like teases her a lot and is kind of mean to her. He also frequently insults his daughters, uh, all except for Lizzie, who is his favorite. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned, uh, the line he has about yeah. Lydia. Yeah, which is earlier, in the movie, but it which is it like feels I said, less... kind of mean, but accurate. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's also just it 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 comes across his character in the movie is much more. I think in the movie it comes across as like resigned and kind of just like not sure what he's going to do about the whole situation. Yeah, well and and just his character overall in the movie, like you said he 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 seems much more it doesn't I never got the vibe that he didn't like them or yeah. that like he was you know he he seems just he kind of seems removed a little bit from yes. the world of all of the women in his family but not in a way that's like the, not disinterested in, yeah, not in a or way that like seems, unloving or cold yeah or mean-spirited or mean-spirited yeah. but just in a way that's like he's been dealing with it for a long time and he's just doing his own thing but he loves yeah he, you know he's He's still worried about him and thinks it, but he, you know, it's like they take care of themselves. They're all adults basically <laughs> now. I'm just going to read my newspaper and, you know, yeah, I don't sign off yeah. on things or whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't mind that the movie makes this change to Mr. Bennett, but I have this here in this general category instead of in one of my other categories for reasons that I will touch on momentarily in the final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? Oh, but there must be a verdict first. Sentence first, verdict afterwards. All right, so we've arrived. Thusly we have. All right, so the most important thing to note about the novel Pride and Prejudice versus the 2005 film Pride and Prejudice is that while they're telling the same story, the two versions are focused on different aspects of that story. Mm -hmm. 
The film is very much focused on the romance aspect of the story, and that's fine. Uh, it, it ends up being delightful and warm and cozy. The novel, on the other hand, is much more concerned with satire and social critique. So the novel focuses on social class from a viewpoint influenced by what was going on during, during Austin's lifetime. Thanks to advancements in technology and industry at that time, it was beginning to be no longer required to own land in order to make money. There was an emerging middle class. So a lot of Austin's works, Pride and Prejudice included, focus on the friction between the land-owning old money gentry and basically everyone else. Mm -hmm. um, the new money wealthy, the working classes, and people who are kind of technically impoverished but still part of the gentry class, like the Bennetts. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that still comes through it in does. the movie. At least I got yeah. it a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And we can see it especially in how characters like Caroline Bingley, Lady Catherine, and Mr. Darcy early on regard the Bennett family. Particularly Lady Catherine. I mean, she yes. says as much many times in the movie about how someone of your birth and like yeah. it's all this, you know very classist, like, elitist language and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's there for sure. However, I think the satire element of the novel is lost in this movie. I mentioned several times that there's a notable softening of several characters, most notably Mr. Collins and Mr. Bennett, but really it's just everyone, um, even both Darcy and Lizzie to some degree. And the trouble is, as we can see with the example of Mr. Collins, those changes don't always work. I think this is a really good movie. I would actually say that this is one of my personal favorite movies. Like, I would put it easily in my top ten. And I think it does a good job of accomplishing what it set out to do, which is focus on this story as a romance. However, the novel tells the same story while delivering something that is undeniably more complex and layered. And for that reason, I have to give this one to the book. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, that's uh, it's interesting because I, I, yeah, I think you made I, I uh, haven't read the book, but I can tell that that would be the case because there, there, you are right that while there are elements of this movie that parts of that sort of critique come across, it's mm -hmm. definitely not the focus. And I wouldn't even say it's not only not the focus. It's it's not even a it's not even that forward in the in the yeah. narrative in the film itself yeah and I, I don't you know i don't fault the movie for that the yeah. movie like i said it sets out to focus on the romance aspect and it's also trying to truncate the story into two hours yeah like i don't blame it yeah yeah i think there there's probably a way to do what they did with the i think i, I don't know how to do it i'm just saying there probably is a way to 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 get a little bit the best of both worlds to, mm -hmm. to keep the romance, the main primary focus, but still have enough of the, the class critique. And maybe it's by finding some B plot or something that resolves in a way that feels um, thematically mm -hmm. relevant or thematically interesting. Like if they had found, and I don't know what it would be, obviously having not read the book, if there was some other side story, maybe even something created out of whole cloth to some extent, that they were doing in the movie thematically um, or even symbolically, like if they found some way to to sort of depict this tension sort of visually in the, I don't know. If they, I think there would have, there's a way to still keep the meat of what the movie is and still have 
because there are movies that do stuff like that, that mm-hmm. have, you know, that are just an incredibly um, compelling a narrative, but also do a really good job at telling this, you know, sort of symbolic sort of thematic other thing going yeah. on at the same time. And yeah, I don't think the movie necessarily accomplishes that. Yeah. So while still being delightful. All right. Uh, before we wrap up and tell you what's coming up next, you can do us a giant favor. Head over to patreon.com slash this film is lit. Support us for two, five or $15 a month and get access to different things at different levels. You can also do us a giant favor by leaving us a five star review on iTunes uh, or follow us on social media. Just go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, all those places. Look for this film is lit. Follow us, comment, uh, especially on our Friday posts following episodes so we can get your feedback on what you thought about Pride and Prejudice or any of the other stories or upcoming things that we're going to do. Speaking of, what's next? Actually, before I say what's next. Sorry. I think we should mention that this was a patron request. Oh, yeah. uh, Academy Award winner patron request from... Kelly Napier. There you go. So thank you, Kelly, for requesting that we do Pride and Prejudice. And we'll mention it on the next prequel episode, but we have a new Academy Award winning patron. So mm-hmm. if you're listening, whoever you are, Ian, Mark, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. <laughs> whoever you are, if you just started supporting us <laughs> on Patreon for $15, send us a message and tell us what you want us to cover. But until we get that message, what's next? Up next... We have another patron request, and it is the novel and film Solaris. Mm-hmm. Novel by Stanislaw Lim and film by somebody. I don't know. It's from the 70s. Yes. I haven't looked looked much into Which it Which is but both things that I've never heard of. Uh, yeah, I hadn't either. I thought I had, and then I looked it up and realized I hadn't. But this is uh, this is also a Switch episode. Yep. So you are going to be reading the book. Yep, it's sci-fi, mm-hmm. uh, which is we, well, we tend so to switch those up a, a little bit more of your wheelhouse than mine. Kind of, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what we'll be doing next. Uh, come back in one week's time, where we'll have a prequel episode and learn a little bit about Solaris, as well as get our feedback and follow up, which I'm sure will be plentiful <laughs> for Pride and Prejudice. Until that time, guys, gals, non-binary, everybody else, keep reading books, keep being, <laughs> keep watching movies, and keep, keep being, being awesome. awesome. That's fabulous.